Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Me, so like, you know, let's just... It's not that I don't like you. I just don't want to be best friends. I don't want to be best friends either. Amazing. Sai, the last thing I need to do is sit there and paint nails and braid hair. Like, let's just go our separate ways. I'm so glad we finally agree on something. Cool, we're good? Perfect. I never said we weren't good. Let's just get a shot, okay? You wanna come? Sure. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go with her Housewives Friday, where we're talking about the Jessel show and the real housewives of Salt Lake City. If you didn't know, I can't imagine that you did. Jessel hit us up on a Monday right after the finale of Real Housewives in New York. It's just like, oh, hey, by the way, I did an interview with Rolling Stone magazine. It was iconic. It was the photo shoot was giving. I thought people, it seems like we're like, um, iffy 50 50 on the, the vibe of the photo shoot i think it's cute as hell bandits is a, a very hip spot in the city and i i liked it i was fucking with the vibe and i was just laughing i was the cackling hag at this point just giggling away because i could picture and i think a lot of people were picturing Cy just in a complete rage just a total rage like um that gif of the blonde lady at the window who's just like ripping the curtains down like that's what i was picturing was that what y'all were picturing because that's what was in my head and i just lived and here's what really really got a cackle and i mean that out of me is that in the (laughs) in the tweet about jessel's interview 
it says bravo's reboot of the real housewives in new york city featured fashion icon jenna lyons and a trumper but a fashion publicist truly stole the show (laughs) and i just knew in that moment aaron was fucking livid and she was I got that confirmation that she absolutely was because she was on shout out to friend of the pod, Christian Gray Snow's Instagram. (laughs) And she commented beyond messed up. And then somebody responded to her and she goes, the byline is messed up. I'm happy for Jessel. Heart emoji. (laughs) She's so pissed. (laughs) They said the North remembers girl. And we're not going to, we're going to put this in print forever and this is what you have to why we have to think about the choices that we make you know and that's all i'm gonna say about that i giggled i giggled jenna lyons and a trumper hilarious hilarious okay let's get into the finale of real housewives of new york we had a supersized episode did it need to be no but we did it happened so and it starts with Bryn going to her psychic who tells her, you're in the middle of something between two friends. And so maybe your best bet is to try to call a truce between them before your birthday party, right? Uh, that, did that happen? No, not even close. Then we see Uba and Aaron meeting up in Bryant Park. They're doing bumper cars on ice, but all Uba wants to do is play Super Smash Brothers, doing donuts on everybody. I hope you'll notice that she... Because they had divided the rink between, you know, the actual ice skaters and people who wanted to be on bumper cars by these, like, bumpers, you know, like like you would in a, a bowling alley. You know, those, like, little bumpers that they put on the kids? <laughs> she breached She breached right through that wall. The people were running. The employees were running to try to, like, put the wall back up. <laughs> she did not give a fuck. And that really, really made me laugh. Uba then says in a confessional that she's, like, about that bumper car life to the point where she usually will get kicked out. And how one time she went to a venue, had just a rip-roaring time. She went back the following week for her niece's birthday or something, and they told her that she was banned. <laughs> Uba's life, you know? But at least these two are having fun instead of whatever the hell happened in Anguilla, right? Aaron tells her that since they had so much fun, those two, at Swingers together, kikiing while uh, while Sai and Jessel were going at it, that they should just, you know, keep those good vibes going. But she also felt some type of way about Pavit that night because she felt like when Uba posed the question of what made you want to marry your wife, that Pavit could have used that as an opportunity to say, she's amazing, a loving mother, something like that. Things that also, Abe did not say, so I'm not sure why it matters so much more for Pavit, not your actual your actual husband. But okay. Uba says, actually, I feel like what Pavit said was one of the most loving things, in my opinion. Like, I want a man who can keep up with me, keep up with my shit. And another thing, when I went to Sai's event, David kind of pinned me down about why I'm not married. I'm happy being me, and when I find my Abe or my David... Maybe it'll be Uba hot ties tonight. Not, but until then, I'm good. But then Uba says in a confessional, maybe one day I'll share him. But the only person who knows about my person right now is Sai. Aaron's in New York Times. And if I tell her, everyone and their mother and their mother's children are going to find out. 
Aaron tells Uba that she really hopes that Jessel and Sai can be good again, but to be honest, she feels like Jessel gives a roundabout to people, which is like not a reason to be an enemy to somebody, but okay. Sai, speaking of, meets up with Bryn to pick out a tree in Central Park for her Mimi, for her grandma. So Sai tells her about how when she was 15, her mom used to make her run around Central Park and try to sell incense to people that she wrapped in foil when she was like 15 and she was just like horrified and would hide behind the tree and just tell her mom she didn't make any sales. <laughs> she didn't want to do it, which honestly is like the most me coded that Sai has ever been. I don't think my mom would have made me sell incense in the park, but I would have tried to hide and just say that I didn't do it. I just don't have the sales bone in me. I really don't. Not at all. Sai very kindly points out when they pick out a tree that uh, Bryn thinks she's interested in, like, oh, the ducks are swimming by because, you know, she talked to her brother about how her mom really, or their grandmother really loved the ducks and feeding the ducks by the park. And she says, like, a thing that I can't even fully take enjoyment in, Sai, that what Bryn is going through, like, she understands what Bryn, what Bryn is going through a lot because they've been through similar situations. Obviously, not the same situations, but the Bryn is like a little sister to her and they have a very close relationship and like it just can't be explained to the other people in the friend group. Like, why do you have all this compassion for Bryn, which is great, but it just feels hypocritical that you can do this with one person and not at all with somebody else. Like, it's getting weird. And also, your relationship with Bryn is about to end in about 18 hours anyway, so, you know, there's that. Oh, by the way, in the Rolling Stone article that Jessa was interviewed in, just going to put that out there again, that she said that she is in communication with production on that uh, when she was supposed to go meet Sai at breakfast and she told them that she was going to be late and that they hit her back and were like, oh, Sai just got there five minutes ago. So that explains, one, why she said she to Jenna that she was only 15 minutes late and two... I guess she thought that production was going to then tell, pass the message on to Sai, which they didn't. And so she's like, I learned my lesson. Like, you know, production's not your friend in that regard. So Jessel has a photo shoot at Jenna's house for her e-commerce platform. She's planning on bringing Indian ready-to-wear Indian jewelry to, like, the U.S. market. So Jenna's like, girl, no problem. I've had about 50 shoots in this gorgeous fucking house over the nine years that I've lived here. So that's nothing. I'm a woman who supports other women. Okay. I'm like Bethany. The shoot is gorgeous. Uba stops by. <clears throat> this is like true support. Not like, you know, that time that Heather tried to help Sonia do a photo shoot for her toaster oven in the box, you know, just, just a little bit different. So <laughs> Jessel tells her, that Bryn and Jenna came over the other day and that Bryn told her all the shit that Aaron was talking about her, Pavit, their marriage and stuff. So Uba's like, girl, what do you think a wedding ring is going to stop a man from cheating? All he has to do is put it in his pocket. But even still, men with rings on get hit on a lot more than ones that don't. And Jessica goes, did you talk to Pavit? Because he said the exact same thing. <laughs> but then she goes, here I am though with these two. Like, here's the edge. I'm over here now. Like, you don't talk about my husband. And Uba says in a confessional that marriages and children are something that she will not talk about. Like, weak people fight that way, which I thought was a statement. And I loved it. And I'm going to put that in my book, my diary for later. So Uba asks Jessel what her plan is. Are you going to address it? 
at Bryn's birthday. And she's like, I don't know, like, but if I do, I'm just going to keep it cute, short, sweet, and we'll keep it pushing. So then after that, Cy and Aaron meet up at a costume shop. I think it was in the Flatiron, like, no bad area. I feel like not at any point in the last iteration, OG New York, did we really ever go to that neighborhood. But we're, we're there all the time, like, damn near every episode here. So she and Aaron are picking out masks for Bryn's birthday. And we'll just get this out of the way now. The masks were a flop. They all lasted about two seconds until people saw that other people weren't wearing them. And the only person who wore it the whole time was Jenna. And I think that's because she was trapped and probably wasn't wearing makeup because she had like planned her outfit around this mask, this butterfly mask, which was actually very chic. But anybody, everybody else was just like, oh, hey, and we're we're not going to wear it anymore. So that was that. I also feel like those aren't like good ideas for television. Like praise the Lord above that it wasn't a fucking... 20s great gatsby themed party but with the masks i think it's just very hard to film because you want to know who these people are at all times it's just like it's not it's a good concept but not for tv also there were only like 12 people there you know i feel like it's got to be a whole big eyes wide shut kind of vibe not not that but just like in terms of there being a lot of people there (laughs) but we'll talk about the the party later so Basically, as they're picking out these masks, Sai, who screamed last episode about how she doesn't care, tells Aaron that she's still annoyed with Jessel from the Swingers event, which is interesting because she didn't fucking care, right? I thought we all heard that because how could you not? But anyway, then she tells Aaron that Jessel called her a pet parrot. Aaron says in a confessional that honestly, she doesn't care about the pet parrot comment because it's not true. And it's actually like the dumbest thing she's ever heard. So... Which is why she tells Sai that she wants to drop kick her in response to it. So, yeah. What what if it wasn't the dumbest thing? How, what if you really felt a way about it? What would you say then? What 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 move would you put on her then? And then Sai really ups the ironic ante by telling her that the reason that she called Jessel a fucking bitch is because Jessel called her mean. It, so. <laughs> Like, do you guys even hear yourselves? And she's like, you know, I am a little bit abrasive and straightforward. I can work on that. But calling mean, calling me mean is like pointless. Like, obviously not. Because the hit, the dog was hit and it hollered real bad. Now, Aaron does give Sai a little heads up by being like, hey, I was hanging out with Uba the other day. And it's not the biggest deal, but she did bring up how David asked if she was single or why she was single. And, you know, like, would they ask a man that and that sort of thing. Besides, like, I just think he was just shocked that he feels like she's the whole package. And then she says in a confession, like, why would, why would she think that David is trying to hurt her? He would never try to hurt anybody. He's always giving my friend compliments, even to the point where I feel like well what about me because he's always bigging them up or whatever and it's like yeah okay fine like I understand that you're a little defensive that's your man it's your husband I get it but it's also like girl he got it so just let him get it there was a nice conversation that they had but we'll talk about that in a second then Aaron rather Zai looks at Aaron and goes well she's fine she's in a good place she's dating somebody and when Aaron asks her who, you could see in her face, she was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Damn! We're mic'd up, aren't we? It's a camera right in front of me, isn't there? And then she tells Aaron that that's none of her business. 
And she goes, that was like a locked vault comment. Like, oops. And so and then she tells, she lies and tells her, I actually found that out on accident. And so Aaron's like, how is that possible? And she was like, well, Uba was just scrolling through her phone. Like, she tried to make it seem like Uba, like, scrolled a little too far. And she happened to see a picture or a video. And it's like, oh, oh. But then Uba told her. And it was just like somebody she's dating asked it to please keep it between them. So. Uh-oh. So Aaron goes, well, is this public knowledge? And Sai goes, no, it's not. And I feel bad because it's her personal business. And, like, that's that. So Aaron plays it cool. Like, yeah, like, I, I get it. I'm not going to say anything. But in a confessional. What a drip. She goes, you know, it bothers me that Sai knows about Uba seeing somebody before me because I was much closer to Uba or like I had been and we had a good day at Bryan Park. So maybe we're treading lightly, but that doesn't mean it doesn't sting. Like, girl, (laughs) girl, find, find a wall to talk to, please. I love my life. Okay, I love that I don't sit here being bothered as these two. Like, okay, that's what you took from that conversation that you didn't find out that information first. Like, girl, this is not high school. She didn't tell me about her secret boyfriend first. (laughs) That has nothing to do. I mean, it does. Well, (laughs) Aaron doesn't know that Uba did say she was like the New York Times if she told her that everybody would find out, which I think is true because that's exactly what's been happening. But, like, your hurt feelings are your own on this one, Erin. Like, if you're feeling some type of way, we gotta look in the mirror, babe. We gotta look in the mirror. And then, both of these two women who said that they were so unbothered by Jess and they do not care at all, decide to come up with a pet parrot costume to troll Jessel with at Bryn's birthday party. Speaking of Jessel, she might be losing her voice in real time, but she is going to be saying some shit with her chest. Okay? Even if it's got a cold in it. So she tells Pavit, Eric can go live her sad Tribeca life. Okay? Good for her. She's obsessed. Like, it's Eminem Stan right now. She's a parrot. She has no brain. She doesn't have the capacity to think for herself. <laughs> and Pavit goes, okay. Should I walk into the party with like five or ten rings on my finger? She goes, no, 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 you're good. I don't need to make a fucking statement. They're so obsessed with me. Like, I can't focus as much on other people's lives. Papa says in a confessional, he doesn't really know what Aaron or size issues are, but maybe they're like projecting their issues with their husbands onto them, but they're very happily married. So Papa asks Jessel, what is going to happen when you see Sai at the party? And she's like, well, it can go one of two ways. I can say a quick word or if she ignores me, I'm not going to put in an effort. So then we get to Bryn's party at Cucina Alba. Hottest place. All the dolls are there, okay? Bryn tells her that Sai... <laughs> Bryn tells Sai, because she does walk in with the mask, <laughs> that she looks like the Hamburglar. And I love that. And then Jenna shows up with her friend, and Bryn says in a confessional in the invitation she explicitly stated to bring somebody that you either last had sex with and or somebody that you want to have sex with that night so jenna which one is it and more importantly how do i fit in this equation and then bryn does what i only assume was supposed to be the um finger symbol for three women scissoring which is actually something that i've never seen before but you know there was that and then she makes jenna kiss her a couple times 
Moving on, David takes Uba aside and he does tell her, like, I think you're a spectacular woman. I was trying in my wrong way to compliment you. And I just don't think that a woman, like, needs a man on her arm to be successful or anything like that. And Uba's like, cool, like, let's make it a teachable moment. That was the wrong question for me. But then she whispers in her ear, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> After that, Sai and Bryn talk, start talking about where Jessel is, right? And Sai's like, you know, I'm fine in a group with her, but just one-on-one, she's just not my jam. In that moment, Sai shows up, says hi to Bryn and everybody, really. But Aaron's like, what, what, what did I do to her? She didn't, she didn't say hi to me. No, no warm hug. No hello. She does say hi to her. Sai is like, well, I think she's actually starting out on the right foot. Like, ignoring me is exactly what I asked for tonight. Yeah, okay, girl. So Aaron approaches Sai and is like, or Jessel, rather, and is like, hey, Jessel, you didn't say hi to me. And Jessel's like, I actually did. And we see the flashback where she does. But Aaron goes, not really. <laughs> like, nothing. She, she can't do right by them. So Jessel goes, well, I heard you were saying all this shit about my husband. Like, he doesn't wear a ring or how something's off with this Vietnam trip. And so Aaron goes, all I do is say what I think. And Jessel goes, I'm not dealing with this. All I'm telling you is what Bryn told me. You said about my husband and I'm upset. So Sai, who was just very happy, gleefully talking about how she had manifested being ignored by Jessel and she was so grateful for it, it happening, goes up to Jessel and was like, what's going on? Right. So Jessel tells her, FYI, I heard you um, don't really like me either. So Sai's like, no, it's not that. It's not that I don't like you. It's just that I don't want to be best friends. And Jess was like, okay, well, I don't want to be best friends with you either. And then she says in a confessional, Sai, the last thing I need to do is sit here and paint nails and braid hair with you. Let's just go our separate ways. Like, I'm really glad we can finally agree on something. So Jessel says, cool, are we good? And Sai goes, I already said we were good. And then she makes a face and then walks away. So Aaron follows Jessel and tells her, I really tried to be nice to you, but I've heard things. I've heard things that you've said about me, but I don't lash out about those. Like, I'm cool about them. And Jessel's like, I'm not lashing out. And Aaron goes, okay, but I heard you have a whole notepad talking shit about me. And Jessel goes, that's so psychotic. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Which, like, babe, <laughs> babe, we don't have to roll that beautiful bean footage. Like, okay, that, that I'm going to have to call Cap on this one, babe. All right, because you did. We did. It is iconic to call your own behavior psychotic and that you would never do it. I will say that. <laughs> so then Aaron goes, and by the way, to call me a pet parrot multiple times is ridiculous. And Jessel just goes, okay. <laughs> but then Aaron asks why she's being lumped in with Sai. And Jessel's like, every time there's an argument, it's I'm arguing with the two of you. But Aaron goes, no, but when you were fighting at Swingers, I was talking to Uba the whole time. So why in that moment were you mad at me and not her? Why? Why? So Jessel's like, I was actually mad at both of you. And Bryn, who's been hearing this, is like, I think the problem, actually, Jessel, is that you're not mad mad enough. Like, I think you confuse standing up for yourself with being ratchet, but there's a way to use your voice. But Jessel's like, yeah, no, I'm not speaking up because it just doesn't matter that much to me. But Bryn says in a confessional, she stuck up for herself personally in her life since she was younger, but she thinks that Jessel might be un- incapable of it, which I don't think is true at all. I do think that there's like an ounce of truth to what Brenna's saying, but I also feel like 
Jessel shouldn't have to do that. Like, she shouldn't have to swat her uh, talons at somebody's face for them to back off from you. That's not how friendship should really work. Whereas I think Bryn has said she has these methods of um, getting herself a seat at the table or charming her way into uh, spaces that would normally belong to like the quote unquote elite. And so I think she feels like, oh yeah, if I just show somebody that I'm confident and powerful, then they'll just back down. Cause I think that probably works in, you know, Bryn's world and how she's had to navigate it. But I can also completely understand how from Jessel's side, she's like, I, it's just not worth it for me to go there for something that is like, to me, it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, like why what about size friendship is so great that I gotta like be jumped into it (laughs) you know what I mean so then Bryn gathers everybody around to tell them that she learned in her yoga class that she needs to do some like festivist style airing of grievances and just let it go and everybody and I have to agree with everybody Aaron David the whole crew was like is this really something that you want to do on your birthday at your party really (laughs) so Bryn was like no I was just thinking that we could like air grievances and like as something that has had this personally run in my family Pavit I was a little thrown off by you calling side bipolar (laughs) like (laughs) I gotta go to the bathroom I gotta pee my mom's calling me bye I'm kind of of two minds of this. Like, I kind of feel like, didn't we dead this conversation in the moment? Like, you told him to take it back. He did. I don't know. I just feel like you maybe should have let him cook on that one and not bring it up as, like, an issue. Because, especially when you say, yeah, I told him to, to not say that and that it's offensive and, like, all that stuff. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I you know obviously it, it we're in a space and in a time and I agree with this that we should not just be like throwing out diagnoses of people that we don't fuck with like that's not fair to that person even if that person likes I is dead ass wrong but I also think it's you got to give somebody a little bit of grace if in that moment they understood that that was an incorrect thing to say and they corrected themselves to like let that go and not bring it up to the person later. I, w- I would not have done that. And then she's like, Sai says in a confessional, I'm definitely not bipolar. And that's offensive because my mom was. So, you know, maybe we just don't make up a mental illness when people don't have one. Now, Brynn then says, Pavit said on record, and like, he did take it back. He says, I take it back, but she is a bitch. So Pavit says in a confessional, did I say size a bitch? Probably. And if I did, she's a bitch. <laughs> now, we have to little do a little timeout. Because, like, generally, I don't think that men should just go around calling people bitches. Women, especially. I, I don't think that. <laughs> I can also understand from his perspective, this woman has been going after not only his wife, but him, too. For seemingly no reason. (laughs) Like, we've spent how long this season of her 
poking holes in their marriage, talking about their sex life, talking about him cheating, talking about how weird it is that he's going to Vietnam, calling his wife all sorts of things and acting like both of them are like these chronic liars. <laughs> like, I mean, at some point, I don't know. So it's not a pass for me, Pavit, but I could understand why you're fed up. I, I get it. So Sai tells Pavit, don't confuse me being a bitch with being honest. Cause like, you know, she lies and she says things that don't make sense to me. And so Jessel is like, what did I lie about, Sai? You lie all the time. You have so many white lies that they just kind of flicker off. Okay, what? Everything. <laughs> you, like the Vietnam thing, like you. So Jessel goes, who cares about the Vietnam? And Sai goes, no one gives a fuck, Jessel. Is that the tone that you use when you don't care? When you don't give a fuck? Okay. Jessel tells her not to yell. But she's like, obviously I need to if you're not going to comprehend what I'm saying. But Jess was like, you don't need to fucking raise your voice. And this would have been the time where I miss Trunchbull her ass right back to Brooklyn. Because you're not about to scream in my face and say that I'm not comprehending things or suggesting that I'm stupid. Like, we're not doing that. Not over here. Not around here, partner. Not around here. So this lady keeps screaming that nobody cares, but... Jessel needs to explain why Pavit said why she said that Pavit booked a staycation and how sweet she thought it was and like how he did it right before he was gonna be leaving for Vietnam. But then she goes to Swingers and she asks Pavit like, "Oh my God, you're going to Vietnam next week?" But he's like, "Oh, I don't have a ticket." So Pavit goes, "I didn't say that." Sai says, "Yeah, you did." And Pavit says, "What I have is an open ticket. I had a date picked out for February 9th, but the flights weren't open." Why do we have to keep doing this? Uba finally gets up and asks Sai and Aaron, can you explain to me why this is so important to me? And Aaron is like, because it's just lie after lie. It's annoying. Pavit walks away with David and Jessel tells everybody, shut the fuck up. I'm going to go find my husband. <laughs> and I'm with her, girl. Sai screams, I'm going to go get my pet parrot. <laughs> So Pavit then tells David, like, guys, don't fight like this. We don't give a fuck about this petty drama. And they disagree, like, yeah, we'll just let it go. Jezel follows after them and asks David, can you get your wife to like me again? And he goes, no, she does like you. She thinks you're an amazing person, actually, but she just feels like you don't open up. So Sai then joins him, because, again, she doesn't care so bad, right? And Jezel's like, I don't know why, but, like, I do struggle with being open. Like, if you ask me a question, I'll my go-to is just to give an umbrella answer. So David says, the only thing that Sai has ever really said to him about Jessel is that she just wants to know who she is. Jessel says in a confessional, I appreciate hearing that, but I'm not going to beg anybody to be my friend. I learned that when the Q-tip meets some resistance, you got to stop digging in there. So then Aaron comes out dressed like the pet parrot and Jessel's like laughing and is like, actually, this is kind of fucking amazing. And Jenna says in a confessional that it was actually brilliant. It was the best Aaron move ever, which might be true. I didn't think it was that funny. Like, not that I wouldn't have laughed like Jessel, but I just didn't think it was like the coolest thing she's ever done. Well, no, I take it back. I think this is the coolest thing that Aaron has ever done. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I, I will say that. So anyway, Cy says that this shows that Aaron has a sense of humor. Like there's a time to take things seriously. And we all know that this is a time to laugh. So, okay. Well, this might be the only time. If you take every other time very seriously. <laughs> David says something to Jenna that I thought was very interesting because of the trailer for the uh, reunion in which Uba says she feels like Jenna was maybe the most fake because she like pretends to be like shy or whatever and is actually kind of like a pit bull or whatever, <laughs> which was her reputation prior to the show. Like her reputation at, at Banana Republic, not Banana Republic, was like, or J. Crew was, uh, like, like, she was kind of a, you know, not, not pleasant to work with. So David tells Jenna, like, you might be the smartest one of all of us because you haven't gotten involved in anything tonight. And she's like, no, you know, I think that there's, the other ladies are like fearless in a way that I'm not. And David goes, I really think you're selling yourself short. How did you get to where you are without being fearless and I'm really surprised that you would say that because Sai talks about you like you're superwoman and I really like Jenna and I like her showing on the season but I do kind of trust Uba and her insight quite a bit and I wonder like what is she what are we going to get into what did she see and I also think maybe a lot of us were like making bets on who was going to be the one from the season to not return and I think it might be Jenna. I don't know if y'all watched her on Watch What Happens Live, but she definitely seemed like this is not for me. Andy asked her what the rose and her, the thorn was for the season. And her rose was something that we didn't see on air where they did improv or something. And the footage got lost, she said. But the thorn, she said, was the whole season. So it doesn't seem great. <laughs> but I could, like, see it. As much as I, again, did like Jenna a lot, I could see how... I mean, honestly, she has the, she can like skip back into her life and it's totally fine. She's hanging out with ASAP Rocky and she's like getting invites to all the fashion shows and being a baddie. Like that's not an issue for her. She can, she can leave. She does not need Roni. And I think if she did not get like perfect accolades, tens across the board, I think even with like a lick of criticism, she'd be like, this is not worth it to me. So I'm leaving. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. And secondly, I wonder if Sai would be the next person. 
because I have a feeling she would like fight her way out of this like be like "Eh, I don't care I don't care whatever whatever but then be like you know this really wasn't a fit for me and my family and I'd like you know like this was so great and whatever but I I could see her like faking the funk and acting like she doesn't want to be back when she does she just doesn't want to take the heat so then things really take a turn Uba gets a phone call and she tells whoever's on the other line, I'll call you back in 20 minutes, right? Bryn looks over and goes, Uba, I heard you got a man in Connecticut. And everybody hears it. And Sai goes, Bryn. Uba <laughs> completely loses her mind and goes, where's Connecticut? What is that? <laughs> and so Sai goes, Bryn, that's really fucked up. Don't do that. Aaron says in a confessional that after the costume shop, after Sai said on camera, that Uba has a man in Connecticut. That she inside took Bryn to her birthday dinner at Casa Cipriani. They were talking, had a couple drinky poos, and all decided to be in the circle of trust. And that's where Sai spilled all the tea about Uba's man, what he does, where he lives, his social security number, all that, all that, all that, right? Uba whispers to Bryn, If you mention Connecticut, I'm going to circumcise you. <laughs> So Uba says in a confessional, the whole thing was confidential. So obviously Bryn heard this from Sai, but it's like, bitch, you don't deserve a birthday at this point. We should have taken you to the McDonald's drive-thru. No fries for you either. But Bryn tells her, Sai started it. She's the one who said it on camera. And Uba goes, I love you, but I'm going home. So she gets up. Jenna says in a confessional, anytime something personal in your romantic life is exposed, it's not a good feeling. Like she's hurt and I get it. And she did expand on that on Watch What Happens Live by saying that the choice to not talk about your partner is because, yeah, you've made the decision to live your life on camera, but they have not. And they get that right to, right, to privacy. Um, and so she could understand. I, get, I To me, this is like a little hyped up. Uba, by the way, was on Watch What Happens and said that she's very much still with this man. So I guess I just like what's the risk like they find out that they're spoken about on camera and that they're from connecticut to me and this is just for me like if my relationship was hinging on that i think that might be something that i'm like i don't know if i can do but i get like they're their right to privacy but that is just so general and also why this is kept uba's been whispering and showing pictures on camera and you know like we haven't seen anything but we have to be responsible for any time we're in front of a camera and mic'd up that any of that footage could be used and you might think that just because i'm in the corner just like quickly showing something that it's going to be up on the cutting room floor that people might not see it but you have to be aware that that could happen (laughs) And so if you really want privacy, the only person that you should be telling secrets to yourself is you. Or people who are not on the cast of a show that goes airs on television. Tell it to one of them, you know? Then Sai and Aaron go up to Uba and Sai tells her she never told Bryn where this dude lived. She said it was nobody's business and nobody knows anything about him. Sai says in a confessional that the difference between her telling Aaron on camera was that that was on accident. She instantly regretted it. But with her telling Bryn, 
yeah, she spilled the beans, but she told Brynn not to. I don't know. It's like, you told somebody once on camera, was like, oh, I fucked up, and then decided that same day, sounds like, to tell somebody else in the cast. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not really fully agreeing with uh, Brynn getting the brunt of this. But I get it. I get, like, how Uba would take this in the sense that, yeah, Brynn is saying that, sorry, he said this on camera, but Uba's hearing us for the first time on camera through you. So I could get how that would hit different. I still think Uba should have been more mad at Psy, though. But anyway, because she now told multiple people. That's like two people and on two separate occasions. So Brynn says that there was a geotag on the post that she showed that Psy was showing her, but Psy's like, that's really fucked up to say. And Bryn's like, but how else would I know that he was Connecticut unless you were the one who told me that? And then Aaron says she didn't say that he was from Connecticut. Sai was screaming, it was not on fucking camera. That's her business. That's her story to tell. You don't do that. Fuck you, Bryn. Have a good birthday. Fuck you. <laughs> so Sai isn't a confessional. She wants nothing to do with Bryn because she let Uba down and Bryn let her down. And so she leaves the building anyway uba leaves and she says brin's in the doghouse she's gonna try to blame it on alcohol but you know what just don't drink and then brin says that the first rule of the circle of trust is to you know not break it but she didn't she just drunkenly mentioned a state so jenna asks why brin is blaming all of this on Sai, and aaron's like well Sai's the one who told her outside Sai catches Bryn before she leaves and is like that's not okay I'm really sorry but Uba's like don't worry about it like for real so then Jessa leaves and is just like totally over it she's like oh I'm done with this petty bullshit like it was up to me I just move on because life is too short so this leaves Bryn and Aaron alone at her birthday party she's just like well I'm at a loss this really is not what I expected and I just think maybe everybody needs to cool off and press a reset button Brent says in a confessional, you know, a year from now, I see myself celebrating my birthday in my apartment with a single cupcake and a candle because I'm not going to have any friends anymore. But maybe I'll be the mayor of Connecticut. <laughs> and then we end with our classic Housewives updates, uh, what we did after the season. Aaron moved. Brynn stored her eggs in Switzerland where the rich people keep their money. Sai's mom is still living in her closet in Brooklyn. Uba's still with Mr. Connecticut. Jenna has a new love. You can see her all over on Instagram. And Jessel and Provit compromised for the kids for a $35,000 a year school. But they're still on the fence about that third child. So we'll see. More on that later. Thank you, guys. Let's go into... uh... That's what we're trying to do. Portuguese and Greek are so similar. We're very passionate people. Very passionate. But today's not the day for that. Yeah, we're not fighting. I'm just trying to have a conversation. I would love to wrap up with Monica. I bet you would love to wrap it up and bring it up the next time I see you. No, you it's not coming, coming it's for not. me, Angie. Girl, I only speak Greek. I'm going to grab my water here. Was, I said her daughters are here. I didn't start this sh- You want to blame me? Monica, no. I love that people no come for me and then they get mad when I fight back. Let's talk about Salt Lake. I feel like we're going to get real psychological, real red table at the end. But let's get into the fun, question mark, stuff that happened in the beginning. Starting with the Easter Bunny who's stopping over at Angie's so that 
they could take a selfie, I guess. But we find out that he's being tasked with sending an invitation to the ladies. But I have to say, this was not giving the, like, on-the-fly energy of that episode of Potomac where they hired the uh, the mime to send out the invitations. And, <laughs> and uh, Giselle and Karen were getting into it with each other at a sidewalk cafe. And then the mime comes up and <laughs> Giselle calls... Uh, says like oh there's a it's like a clown and, and Karen thinks that she's calling her a clown she's like no 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 there's like a clown behind you <laughs> if y'all don't watch Potomac that the even the description of that scene alone should make you just hop right on board the season's about to begin please watch but anyway over in Salt Lake they don't even bother to make it seem like this wasn't completely constructed if you look back, Whitney, they have her just walk down a random sidewalk. And I've never been to Salt Lake, but I don't feel like it's a walkable city. Like, I know what I'm looking at. They just have her walking at the sidewalk and the bunny catching her. But then they go to, to Mary. And if you look at the background of where Mary is, because they just have her par- posted up in a parking lot. It's literally the same building that Whitney is walking in front of. Like, they just were like, ladies... We need to film a scene. Can you just meet us at this location? Probably to Dunkin' Donuts. Just, like, have the have the bunny meet you here. You know, and just pretend to pass out invitations. They catch, quote-unquote, Lisa during a confessional as if she doesn't see the, the gigantic bunny two feet away from her. Okay. In the middle of her sentence. Heather's was parked in the back seat of her car. Like, one pulled up to Monica's back door. Like, can we try? Can we even try? I honestly feel at this point that we are getting hills with Salt Lake City. And by that, I mean, you know, at the end, the series finale, where Brody's standing there and then the backdrop moves and, and it's revealed that he's on a soundstage. Like, no spoilers. Spoiler alert. Um, but I'm just feeling like once I had it in my brain, whoever said that Salt Lake, it, just watch it as a parody of other Housewives shows. They're like, this is what this is what's happening. Y'all really aren't even trying. This is like Christopher Guest does the Housewives at this point. But anyway, Whitney and Justin go on a date. And I'm like, I don't really, I don't really give a shit, to be honest with you. Because I think they're still together. You know? And I feel like if we know that the stakes, if we're not, if I'm not watching a breakup... If I'm not, if I know that at the end of the day, this isn't leading to a breakup or a divorce, Kyla Mauricio, and I don't really care about watching the journey, you know, I'm already, I'm already pissed off about Beverly Hills, <laughs> but yeah, just watching them like kind of talk about how they're like sort of having issues and Whitney is just like pissed off at him because he started his new job and he says, as soon as he tells her that he's feeling overwhelmed, she's like, you you're feeling overwhelmed? And then she tells in a, a story in a confessional about how there was one morning the other day where he was, she was making breakfast for the kids, for Brooks and Bobby. Brooks and Bobby are scrapping. They're trying to get her as referee. She's literally making the bacon on the stove. Rocky the dog pees on the couch. So now she's like trying to clean up puppy pee, get the the boy from, I don't know, like slapping the redheaded one in the face or whatever he was doing to her and all the while the bacon burns she looks over justin and his dimples are just sitting there click clacking away on his phone 
So Justin's response to, hey, we need to communicate is like, hey, I want to get my dick wet. And she's like, but okay, that's not the point. And he's like, well, maybe not for you, girl, but it definitely is for me. <laughs> so Whitney then tells him, like, I would be physical with you, but I need, you know, like, as a woman, I need the emotional connection, you know? And like, that's, that's it. Like, if you're not opening up your heart, I'm not spreading these legs, sir. And that's it. Then she mentions how they got into a stupid fight. Like, this is what we should have been talking about. She's like, we got into a stupid fight. She took her ring off at some point. So then he did. But now that he's back to work, he's still leaving his ring in the drawer. And now she sees it every morning and it makes her sad and it hurts her. And then she says in a confessional, like, she just doesn't know what to do to fix her core connection. What fight did you get into? Let's get into that. It wasn't the bacon. It had to have been something else. Then Lisa and Angie meet up at this candle place at the Wick Lab, I think she goes. And Lisa's like, candles for two? I have a reservation for candles for two. So Lisa says that, <laughs> I guess some people like pouring hot wax on themselves. Like, it's a fetish, but not mine, okay? One of the employees, while they're playing candle, frankincense, myrrh, or whatever Angie ordered, one of the employees goes up to Lisa and she's like, are you Jack Barlow's mom? And says she's really close friends with Jack. And Lisa's like, oh my gosh, I love that. Did you know that Jack's going on a mission? And the girl's like, yeah, I actually knew like way before you. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> In a confessional, she goes, ah, you know, you're out of the loop when the girl at the candle shop knows your kid's going on a mission before you do. Let's face it. I'm not winning mother of the year awards here. Angie tells Lisa that she ended up inviting everybody, including Monica, but not Meredith, to her Greek Easter party because she wanted to be inclusive. But, you know, after the apre soiree, it was, an, it was a no way for Meredith, okay? Lisa says she really hates what Meredith is doing. Like, they have to have boundaries. It's not okay. But the thing that's interesting to her is that Meredith alluded to something, but Monica took it to the next level. Like, one of those is not worse than the other. They're equally bad. But then she says that actually what bothers her the most is that Monica bragged about, or was, like, very flippant about their guys in the world that were, you know, getting John's dick sucked at the roundup, right? Like, no big deal. And so, basically, she feels like the fact that Monica was, like, whatever about it, like, so casual about it means that she's doubling down. I don't get this logic, Barlow. I don't know. <laughs> then she tells Angie that nobody has ever said that to her. Like, they run in sim similar circles, but nobody's ever told her that about Sean. So that means that Monica's lying. And Angie, you inviting her? Like, I'm a little shocked a little bit. Like, that would not be something that I would be like, hey, come learn about the Savior's re resurrection with me. <laughs> So Angie tells Monica, Angie says rather in a confessional that she and Monica were both duped by the same person, that that was a mutual friend of theirs. And she's also not sure that that connection is really enough to make up for what happened in Palm Springs. And then she says, you know, I like Monica, but to think that if she was my friend, I think she would have handled things a lot differently. Then we have our kitty corner with Salt Lake. Inevitably, we get like a whole segment where the, we see them being parents, right? Starting with Mary. Mary in the living room with Robert Jr. And she goes, why am I hearing rumors that you're married? And he just laughs. And she goes, is it true? I don't know. You don't know if it's true or not? Yes, no, no, yes, maybe sort of. 
Lord, please let it be no. Uh, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Like, I went to the courthouse. And Mary goes, and where was I when this was happening? You snuck and did it? And he's like, yeah, low-key. It's been almost a year. <laughs> now, if you guys don't follow Lisa Barlow on Twitter, it's almost like... You know those um, parody accounts of other people, like your Don Gunvalson, your Lee Radziwill, those types that pretend to be that person, and oftentimes it gets people in trouble, especially with Don Gunvalson. It's so funny to see that person tweet (laughs) under an actual housewife account, and then they get mad at them as though they actually think that that's Vicky Gunvalson's (laughs) ex-husband. It's very, very funny. It happens at least once a year where somebody really gets pissed off. (laughs) It's a delight. But Lisa Barlow's actual Twitter account acts like a parody account. And the things that she tweets are just so interesting. I love the way she navigates Twitter. But anyway, one of the many tweets that she did last night was that she had heard about Robert Jr. being married back at last BravoCon. So, and Whitney responded that as well. Now, Whitney is really on a... She's on a mission against Mary Cosby. She really, really hates her. But that being said, I don't really know if this is like a gotcha moment for Mary. I don't know if we could ever... I don't know if a gotcha moment exists for Mary Cosby. Because, okay, yeah, y'all heard, but y'all don't talk to Mary, clearly. And Mary's in her closet. One of her dozens of closets. I would not be surprised if that's... I mean, she said she heard it. I don't think she's, like, lying about really not knowing. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Mary Cosby's universe. So Mary explains to us in a confessional that Robert and this girl, and I'm guessing this is also the woman girl who Mary ended up getting a court case put on against her because she got caught up, like, kidnapping and, like, harboring a minor or something. I think this might be same girl um but she says in a confessional uh that basically they both live in the house but she doesn't see them too much because they kind of have their own wings of the home and there was one day where he was dressed up nice and she was dressed up nice but they were like running like full-blown running with all their might (laughs) she's like but i didn't know they were gonna get married (laughs) like i'm imagining like a supermarket sweep style like they're just like bursting down the stairs he's just putting his jacket on as he walks through the door like the shoes are untied it's nini in the heels during that charity march just like whoa girl like just try to get to get through and act like she doesn't see mary what is going on in that house of horrors you can only imagine so then for i think maybe the first time we see mary have a uh regular human emotion to something reaction um she starts crying and she's like you're my only son like i don't have anybody else and she's like i just can't believe that you would do this behind my back right and so she asks him are you ready like are you ready to be married and he's like yeah but mary says in a confessional he's not ready for marriage to be a sole provider i mean i'm not going to provide for him and her okay well you have been for a year now so might as well keep going girl In another scene, Heather calls her daughter, Ashley, I think, who just was like twerking in spring break in California, right? To tell her that she just found out that Jack's going on a mission. And Ashley's like, okay, that's 
kind of out of left field. And Heather's like, yeah, I think Lisa maybe didn't see that coming either. She said it was a total surprise to me. So Ashley tells her that she thinks like that probably this is coming from Jack's friends. Like they're all doing it. And so he's doing it too. And how, what nobody gets from the outside of this culture is that you're, it's like your whole life. So Heather says in a confessional that her daughter is like on a bikini for spring break. And thank God, because everybody else, like her whole class is going down, I guess the same way Jack is. And she's living her life. And she says, my diaries from that time were embarrassing. It was like, I love God. I want to serve his people. I want to be the best, most righteous husband. I want to have one and, and the greatest children. And I just want to do good. <laughs> just repeating those adages. And she's like, I feel like Ashley's like the version of me who didn't go to church. So Heather says that she really never thought of Jack as a particularly devout person. And she's not going to come for him, but she's like, I am morally opposed to this on a lot of levels. And Lisa needs to prepare him for that. And I'm just surprised she didn't come to me about it. Now, I feel like uh heather is like she always almost gets it right for me like she makes it all about herself and that's where she loses me frankly like yeah i do agree lisa should probably prepare her son for what he's about to do especially because you're not going to really be able to have too much contact with him you're not gonna be able to see him there's a lot that goes into this you should have that conversation but why she needs to go to you is odd to me. Like, I get why Lisa wouldn't. Because you're just going to say some shit that's going to make her feel bad. And this is her kid, you know? Right or wrong. But then we go back to Mary's Tiffany Blue Kitchen. And the more I looked at this scene, the more the kitchen kind of reminded me of Mary herself. Like, you know how they say, like, the, the clean, the cleanliness of your room is sort of uh, a mirror for the state of your mind, right? This Tiffany Blue kitchen with what appeared to be three different air diffusers strewn about, just like a lot going on, cans of things, kind of weird. And you're like, is this weird? I've never seen anything like this before. It's just like a whole mishmash. But like the more you're exposed to it, you're like, it's still weird, definitely. But I think I'm getting used to it. Or I don't know, like what's happening. It just, it felt, it felt a lot like our Mary, right? Meredith comes over and Mary's like, yeah, I just had a conversation with uh, Robert about his marital status. And Meredith goes, wait, Robert Jr., right? <laughs> Mary tells him, basically everybody knows that he's married except for her and Meredith goes well that's a lot but then Meredith goes I just feel like you've been keeping to yourself for a bit and Mary just goes on this whole thing about how she expected in the year that she had been gone that there would be some growth and change and some class within these women that maybe they would have wanted to wear different shoes they're just walking in the same shoes like you don't think you need taller boots you need to have class about yourself and i just don't see it so meredith says that for her there was a lot of clapping back that she could have done but she didn't and how insane it is it was going around that she's spreading rumors about sean and then meredith says in a confessional 
The irony is that her son's gay. She's a huge supporter of the community. She's on the host committee for the GLAAD Awards. She would never comment on somebody's sexuality. So Mary asks her, well, did you get the invite? And Meredith is like, to what? What are you talking about? Mary goes, I'm talking about the bunny. And the rabbit with the big ears. She goes, do you mean a person that gossip? She's like, yes. <laughs> it's for a Greek Easter brunch or something. So Meredith is like, well, no, I'm going to be in LA for the GLAAD Awards anyway. Mary says, well, if you're not going to be there, then I'm not going because I don't see that they put enough in their self to be a better person. Like, I need to see that you have a soul or something like you do care. <laughs> Meredith says that there's a way to talk to somebody. And Mary's like, yes, you talk, you disagree, and then you end it. I don't have the energy. I'm exhausted for these people. No, I'm not going to this Easter bunny hunt. I need to see change. Then we get to Angie's Easter brunch. And Angie tells Electra that they're going to teach the ladies to like dance around and throw money. Traditional Greek stuff, right? Mary calls her, what, like minutes before the party's about to start? Like she's doing the finishing touches. She's looking at the charcuterie board. Mary's like, you know, I'm calling to let you know that I won't be able to make it. I have to go to my home in Las Vegas because we had a flood a year ago and it just got done. And Angie's like, well, I'm going to be honest. I was really looking forward to seeing you. And Mary goes, don't take it personal. And Angie goes, I don't. <laughs> and then Mary goes, well, I do feel bad. And Angie goes, well, it's nice to know you have feelings after all. And Mary just laughs. Anyway, Father George the priest pulls up to what I'm going to be dubbing Wonka Vision Studios, which is Angie and Sean's white ass house. I don't understand why it's so white and why everything's so big. It doesn't make sense to me. Her dad, look, look at pictures of Wonka Vision and tell me I'm not, tell me I'm not, tell me I'm not, okay? <laughs> Angie's dad comes over and we get a pretty harrowing story about how he came from Puerto Rico. Just kidding. <laughs> He's Greek, y'all, if you forgot. He was widowed with seven children at the age of 44 and didn't know a lot of the English language. He was an immigrant and he never let them forget where he came from, which we know. <laughs> And that you're imprinting that onto us as well. Heather walks in with nine lemons because I guess that's traditional or something. And when she hugs Sean, she asks him, where'd you get your clothes from? They look great. And he goes, oh, my gay boyfriend. And Heather goes, oh, yeah, I heard. Well, he's a fabulous tailor. And I have to, Sean ate that a little bit. He ate. All the Barlow boys are dressed like Obama during that Easter, you know, the one with the tan suit and everybody makes a big fuss about it still. And then we find out that Sean isn't actually Greek. So, but he's like, you know, I look Greek enough, so people don't usually question me about it. <laughs> Not Sean starring in his own passing, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Angie welcomes everybody to the lunch and says she's always been inspired by the story of Christ's resurrection and how it's a story of hope because Christ was mocked, was ridiculed, he was crucified, and he managed to rise up three days later. And if Christ can rise above, we all can. <laughs> Heather was picking up what I was picking up as well in a confessional. It really sounds like Angie is comparing herself to Jesus in this story. <laughs> like a big nail to the cross like Jesus was, Vicky Gunvalson style. And then she goes, I guess that would make Meredith Brutus. Brutus? No. no Judas. I was thinking Caesar. <laughs> Whitney asks where Meredith is and they're like, oh, she wasn't invited. So we get to see her living her fabulous life on the red carpet in a silver strapless gown with Brooks and Seth at the carpet of the GLAAD Awards. And Seth is just being aggressively heterosexual in the audience, screaming, 
Let's get loud. Let's let's get loud. I'm like, please don't. Can you can you be escorted out of the building, please? Lisa asks Angie how she's doing, and she's like, Well, I think I'm gonna let this be the day that I talk to Monica. So Heather grabs Lisa and she tells her, I heard you were really triggered about Angie coming over to my house. And Lisa's like, Yeah, I was super triggered. Because nobody was there for me when I you were there for Angie. So Heather's like I honestly didn't know this was such a rain cloud over your head because we've been laughing and having fun. And Lisa's like, we're fine because we just keep things surface. So Heather's like, well, I actually thought we had a much deeper relationship like that. Like, and with Jack's mission, I would love to talk to you in a way that's constructive. But Lisa's like, I don't even want to talk about it, Heather. Like, I just don't feel talking about you with all this because we had such a different experience. And I need to be a space with Jack where I'm supporting what he's doing right now. Lisa asks Heather why she even cares, and Heather's like, because when you're sending your kids out to the wilderness for two years, you need to know the good and the bad of it. But Lisa says, but your experience growing up in the church has been really different from my experience. Like, my path has been really good because I was converted into this faith, and I just want to be focused on supporting Jack. But Heather is, no, 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 like, I think this is not really so much about Jack. It's more about you and me. Like, why don't you read my book? And Lisa goes, oh, is this about your book now? (laughs) And Heather goes, yeah, because it feels like I wrote the book and that's why it's a big deal to not talk to me about this. Then Heather tells her, you can't tell me that you have a different level of Mormonism than me. It's the same thing. And Lisa goes, no, it's not. So Heather says in a confessional, I don't really know what gaslighting is, but I feel like this might be it. Like just telling me that the religion that I've been part of since birth is actually different And the way I was doing it was wrong. And to be fair, I'd gladly join her church. Like, it seems great. All the perks and none of the payment. Like, maybe if that's what Jack does on his mission, we'll have a lot of success. Yeah, we'll have a Vita tequila and strapless dresses. Come on in. Then Lisa kind of throws one back at her and is like, I don't even think you know where you are. Like, I'm being totally honest. I think there are days where this is still in your core and you want that back, which I have been peeping for quite a while. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I do think that there, and I think Heather maybe has even admitted this, that there have been times where she's just like, going back to my old life would be really easy and I'm tempted to do it sometimes. And I do think that there are times where she's like a little bit, I think she feels very like outsider from the whole thing and she wants it because she wants to be included and she feels very 
excommunicated from whatever her life was before. And I think it's probably a little bit natural to be a little bit longing for what you had. Because she's always said, like, her life was a lot easier, you know, before she... She was great in Barbie world. And then she got flipped over to the real world and, like, things got a little bit more complicated. You know what I mean? And, like, the Birkenstocks are on. But she wants to put that heel on sometimes. Then Lisa tells her, you wrote a book about being a bad Mormon. I'm focused on my kid being a good Mormon. But the bottom line is, we're done with this. We're friends and this conversation is off the table. Which I think is probably fair. You know? I just, I've been thinking about this all week. Like, what would I do if my friend's kid were in this position? I don't know. I think I need to think about this a little bit more. But anyway, Angie then takes Monica aside to tell her there's something that's been bothering her. And she was really hurt that she was the one who put out the rumors because she thought that Meredith was the one speaking out. But Monica's like, but I'm the one who told you I'm the only one who's had your back 100%. And I told you right away because I actually don't believe it. But Angie's like, but if you don't believe it, then why would you say it? And Monica says, because Whitney asked me. And I said that I said what Meredith said. But then when Angie asks her, how do you know what Meredith was talking about? Monica says, I actually didn't hear it from her. I heard it from the Salt Lake City streets. That's the rumor. But Angie's like, okay, but you're repeating it. And Monica goes, it to you <laughs> and monica says in a confessional i first heard about this honestly years ago like way before i ever met meredith this is something that's been circulating all over for years and at that point meredith won because y'all ain't catch her you know y- y'all didn't catch her just like kim zolciak saying anini choked her but she's like did it happen on camera no <laughs> so there it is there it is. And and really, culprit number one should maybe be Whitney. Like, listen, Meredith can say, I would never repeat a gay rumor. But what other rumor and nastiness was about Sean if it wasn't a gay thing? And saying, not explicitly saying what the rumor is, in the context of it being, like, pretty homophobic, I think even mentioning it is problematic. Angie tells Monica that she's basically just saying something when she doesn't have the facts to back him up and wish that maybe she had just pulled her aside because she's heard stuff about her too. And Monica's like, well, come with it. What do you got, girl? Foreclosure. Check. Divorce. Check. Affair. Check. What else do you want? I own it all and I stand by it. And if you told me that you heard something, I wouldn't have been like, how dare you tell me? And that's the difference between you and me is I don't hide it. Everybody's talking shit about you and I'm the only person who's saying it to your face and you hate me for that. When you should be hating everybody else. So at this point, Monica's mom, Lisa, LD, comes up and is like, you guys are both beautiful, powerful women. Just bury the hatchet here, okay? Portuguese people and Greek people are similar. We're very passionate people, but today's not the day for that. And Angie's being very diplomatic. She's like, I hear you, but we're trying to wrap this up diplomatically. Monica goes, I bet you would love to wrap it up and bring it up again later because you love coming for me. (laughs) So Linda tells her in Portuguese, your daughters are here. And Angie's like, I only speak Greek. I don't know what you're saying. And she has to explain to her. I told her that her daughters are here. So Monica goes, but I'm not the one who started that shit. Like, I love the people come for me and then they get mad at me when I fight back. So then Angie says, there's no blame. She's just trying to understand. 
Monica says she's about to pop off. So Angie goes, okay, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. Like, there's kids here. But Monica and Linda have already basically forgotten about Angie. Like, she could have left 45 seconds ago. Linda is trying to be very sweet mom. Like, we're in somebody's home. Go take a breath. Go to the bathroom and take a breath, Monica. And Monica tries to sit down next to Angie again and be like, I'm not, I'm not doing with this to you, girl. Like, I'm the only one who said something to your face. But Linda leans down at Monica and tells her, go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom with me. And Monica's like, no, get out of my face. So everybody's watching this and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe she's talking to her mother like this. Linda goes, you finish this by keep quiet, be keeping quiet. Like you need to stop it. And Monica tells her, you need to stop it. Are you serious? And everybody else is like, damn, this is like really getting heated up. So Monica just removes herself and she goes to sit by on one of those blinding white couches in the, the living room and is basically like taking a breath, just not in the bathroom. So now Linda's doing her like Oprah brunch, very sweet Legends Ball. I'm so sorry, Angie. They're like, no, no, no. You're a sweetheart. Don't worry about it. And then Linda goes, I'm ready for fun. Can we have some? How about we have some fun, guys? She goes over to the guys like, hey, boys, any of you guys played a college ball? Any any of you play sports? <laughs> They're like, um, John maybe played volleyball at some point at briefly. I don't know. <laughs> so Monica says in a confessional, I don't know what my mom is doing right now. I don't know why she feels the need to apologize for me to complete strangers that she's never met before. I feel completely betrayed. Angie then decides that now is the time to learn the Greek money dance thing. So all the kids are having a gay old time dancing in the middle Whitney and Justin are twerking at one point but like for the Lord shout out to the resurrection so Linda tries to go up to Monica and is like I want to go dance but I don't want to leave you here by yourself are you okay you're my daughter you're my concern and Monica goes I genuinely don't believe that you literally just wanted to go dance and Linda goes yeah I did but that doesn't mean you're not important to me and Monica goes you're right you're right your behavior and your words are what show I'm not important to you like how dare you? You apologize to other people. Linda goes, you were shouting in a family gathering. And Mon Monica says, does it matter? And then she goes, I'm actually really grateful for moments like these because it reminds me exactly of what I don't and will never do to my kids. I'm not going to let them feel alone. I'm not going to sit there and be massacred. And Linda laughs in her face. And Monica goes, you're really a heartless person. You can sit here with your friends and Opa, and you can dance. You can find your own ride home. Dead ass. So then she gathers up her daughters and says, we're leaving. And Angie asks if she wants to talk. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm really good. I'm, I'm had enough. But in a confessional, Monica says that in these moments, like, she always feels like little Monica, childhood Monica. And she feels really bad for childhood Monica. And then she says, it sucks that all I want is a different relationship with my mom. And I know that's never going to happen. And I want it so bad. Like, I wish my mom... I hate feeling like this, but I wish I had a different mom. I do. And then Lisa and Angie, meanwhile, are talking about Monica at this party. Like, they feel so bad for Linda, for LD. And Monica's like, listen, all I can do is make sure that I'm doing the right things and I'm being the right mom for my kids. Now, I think it would be very easy to watch what happened between Monica and LD 
and think that Monica was the problem. But I pray, I thank God that I've never had this sort of relationship with my mother. And I could see, like, exactly what she's talking about. Like, she's advocating in this moment for the childhood Monica who was, like, left out, probably abandoned because her mom was dating some dude or she just didn't care or was like embarrassing her in some way or like just yeah like not advocating for her and really being protective of her and just kind of like leaving her to fend for herself and then also acting like she's being the embarrassing one was monica being a little bit out of pocket yes but there was also an instagram post that she posted on her Instagram, shocking, right? Uh, but where she explained that there are a lot of people that were coming for her over the fact that they felt like she was like getting into it um, uh, in front of children. And she says, I let people say whatever they want to say and go off on me as they sit there and judge me for going off on others. The irony. I understand that I open up my life to be judged by outsiders and that Truly, they don't see 99% of a situation. However, well, what I will not allow is people saying things about me and acting in front of, excuse me. However, what I will not allow is people saying things about me acting away in front of my children. I did not. I did not want that conversation between Angie and I done with my girls present, and they weren't. All of the children were downstairs doing Easter festivities during that entire interaction. And yes, they had an Easter egg hunt that my girls did enjoy. None of that conversation between Angie and my mother happened with my daughter's present or any of children for that matter. There's a ton more to clarify from that day and what happened. And I cannot wait to bring light to it all. So she then posts like several pictures of, you know, her talking to her mom and you can see that in the background, there's either nobody or only adults. There don't seem to be any children present. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like a very layered situation. Um, oh, and then her caption. Wow. 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 Okay. She says, say what you want about me being a whore, a rat, disrespectful to Linda, a homewrecker, spoiled, poor, broke, an insistent, or whatever you want to say about me. I let everybody run with whatever, but I don't play when it comes to my daughters. I made sure they were not there for that situation. That did not happen in front of my children. Go through the stills. And then there is somebody who commented, it's um, at Connor Unfiltered, who said, I filmed this ep. Her kids and Angie's daughter uh, and some other kids were all downstairs the entire time. And also, the show is manipulated for the viewer's pleasure. The sooner all of you viewers realize that you're watching a show and the sooner you start focusing on your own lives. Monica's a great loving mom and most of y'all in the comments will never understand how entertainment works. It's not real. That's why it's called a show and not a documentary. Um, so, yeah. I think that it would be very easy to watch that and be like, damn, Monica was really out of the pocket with her mom, but you also have to consider that Monica does not have a normal relationship with her mother. And so she might just act like or react a little bit differently. And I can see that. I can see that. And I feel for her. I really do. But with that, you guys, that's it for the week. I hope you guys have a great weekend or whenever you listen to this if you want to give me a five-star review on spotify or apple podcasts i wouldn't complain about that that'd be chill it's a good way to start your weekend if not you know you don't have to do anything if it's going to be less than five stars maybe just maybe just keep it keep it thank you thank you 
Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Love you. Bye.